Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We're your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Laker. How are you doing tonight, Andy? Hey, I'm doing great. How about you? Hey, I'm doing great too. Thank you. I am excited to be starting this episode. It's episode nine of season five, and it is Thanksgiving Orphans. So a classic Thanksgiving episode, which we will get into just how classic is it and why. It was written by Cherie Eichen and Bill Steinkellner, directed by James Burroughs, and it aired on November 27th, 1986. And the logline is that Diane announces her plan to spend Thanksgiving in the rarefied company of her American literature professor and his literary cohort and suggests that Carla have everyone else to her new house for Thanksgiving dinner. After all the other guests arrive, Diane shows up in her pilgrim outfit with her own ideas about how the day should proceed. All of their best efforts are for naught when Norm's turkey won't cook, a food fight breaks out, and Vera, Norm's wife, at last appears on the scene in time for dessert. We start this episode with a teaser. It's a holiday teaser. It's Woody coming in with a box of Christmas decorations for the bar. And Sam says something about, you know, it being that time of year again and remarks that Christmas seems to come earlier every year. And then Woody discreetly tells him that if he checks it, he'll see it always comes on the 25th of December. (laughs) Very Woody comment to make. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So Sam is admiring the handmade Rudolph (laughs) that Woody pins on the column. And it did look like something like a kid would draw, you know, sort of sweet and endearing little, little paper Rudolph. And... Woody says that Rudolph is his favorite guy in the Christmas songs. And then Frazier at the bar interjects to tell Woody that he's apparently unaware of the story of Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, is one of the most unrealistic and therefore damaging in all of children's music. Woody doesn't know this. was not aware of that. Frazier <laughs> continues on. He says, first the other reindeer tease and then ostracize him. And then when his abnormality proves of service, they use him. and it says then do they allow him to play in their stupid reindeer games and Sam and Woody kind of nod and say yes Frazier laughs kind of caustically oh no he says he knows how the song goes but not only do Donner Blitzen et al not love him and laugh out with glee but they doubly despise the bulbous nosed little wimp (laughs) and then Frazier wishes them a happy holidays as he leaves yes yes so Frazier seems to take the story of Rudolph very personally. I kind of get the impression that maybe that is a, has sparked a memory from his childhood. Exactly. Is that what you thought as well? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He really, really lays the psychoanalyst into it, you know. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I like this teaser a lot. This was good. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was, thought it was fun. I think curmudgeonly holiday Frazier is funny. Yeah. And a good balance to Woody with his sort of childlike love of the holiday. It was all, it was all good. Right. So when we're starting the episode, Diane is arranging a white bonnet on her head. And I think what she asks is, pray thee, friends, what thinkst thou? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> she, she sure does. <laughs> the whole way she, she says it, she's like, you know, shaking her head, like so amused with herself. Uh-huh. And Sam says she looks ridiculous. And Diane talks about how the bonnet is an authentic example of feminine colonial headwear. So Sam says, thou lookest ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) And then Diane announces that her graduate American literature professor, whose name is Dr. Narsutis, annually recreates the first Thanksgiving dinner at his home. First of all, I thought that was quite a name, Dr. Narsutis. I don't know if that is a real person's name or not. (laughs) 
<laughs> it absolutely sounds like someone that Diane would have as a professor. Right. But yeah, quite a creative name. Did you think so as well? Did that strike you as... Yeah, it almost sounds a lot like narcissist yes. almost. Like the first, you know, syllable or whatever right. is, is very much that way. So yeah, it definitely sounds like a very pretentious academic kind of name that she would uh, resonate with. Right, exactly. <laughs> and Dr. Narsutis invites two or three favorite students to have dinner with his family, or break bread, I think is what she says, his family and honored guests such as William, William Styron. And then Diane ends with, guess who's going to be there? <laughs> and Woody guesses, William Styron? <laughs> Which, it, I mean, he's correct, you know, but it wasn't really yeah. a question. He just kind of unwittingly takes the thrill out of Diane's name dropping. Right. Yeah. And named, I mean, she's enthusiastic. It's not like she's, you know, name dropping necessarily in a bad way, but I thought it was funny. At this point, I have to confess... <laughs> Not having seen this episode before, I kind of briefly wondered if we were going to get some sort of literary celebrity cameo okay. appearance or whatever. And I got a little excited, but that alas, William we did not. William would be in the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That kind of. Else. Well, you know, right. we've seen we've seen politicians and yeah, such, and I true. thought, well, maybe they convinced him. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I don't know where he lives. I mean, maybe he does... Maybe he is in that area, or right. was in that area at that time. I don't know. It didn't happen, but that's a fun idea. But also fun, I think, is Fraser commenting on Diane's great opportunity, and he has he kind of weaves this tale of her establishing a rapport with Mr. Styron while passing the yams. Which, okay, first of all, it's a funny image, but then also this whole thing with the yams kind of comes back. Everything comes back around, which is the thing I love about this episode. But I think it's funny that. Frazier mentions passing the yams given what happens to him later. Right. <laughs> so he talks about passing the yams. And then by pie time, which also comes back around, William Styron may have taken Diane under his wing and launched her into the literary galaxy. So she's, she's Frazier, you and I are of like mind. <laughs> and to show, I mean, this really, I think, shows that Frazier has become one with the bar more than with Diane. He replies and grins like, except one of us is kidding. <laughs> right. <laughs> That was a good line. That was great. Yeah. That was great. At some point in in this part of the season, I feel like we should have a discussion about Frasier because the way he's becoming as a character, I think, is very appealing. He's kind of becoming more <laughs> of a more of a presence, but he's a, you know a little more sarcastic, a little bit more like cynical, you know, than the Frasier of the past two seasons. Right. Um, and I think he's fitting in really well in that regard. So then Diane talks to Sam about spending the holiday with him, and she thought that they would be together, but then when he made no move in that direction, she made these alternate plans. And Sam is like, I have other plans, and he has a date. She had said that she'd understand if he got a date, but of course then she mopes and is upset. And actually gets over it and tells Sam that they'll have many holidays together when you and I are one. And he says, you already are one, Diane. I, I like that line a lot. What Sam mm -hmm. had to say there, that was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Her lovey-doveyness in this episode, I think, is not overdone. It's funny, but then it's just, it's mm -hmm. sidelined in a funny way, too. So I think it works Right, well. it's not super overbearing. Right. As it's been in many episodes past. So Diane asks what everybody else is doing, and they're muttering various things, and Diane kind of ignores that. Carla says that she's on her own this year. The kids are in Atlantic City with Nick. And then Woody says that this is his first Thanksgiving away from home. Except for last year. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So Diane, Diane really gets the party started. Yeah, like maybe not wittingly, but she suggests that Carla have everyone to her new house for Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. Carla is skeptical of this. And then Diane, they have this, I think, a fun exchange when Diane asks what could be more enjoyable than opening her heart with holiday cheer. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have this? Uh, well, yeah, what, what opening was it? yours with a can opener. Is what with a can said. opener, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was great. That was yeah. a good response. Carla relents, and she says it's going to be a potluck dinner. She invites Sam and his date, and Sam accepts. And then Fraser makes his way around the bar talking about how the seasonal happiness of others throws a glaring light on the flaws of our own interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. But that's not a problem for him because he's alone. (laughs) So Carla invites Fraser to join them for some bird, and he kind of says, could I? In this very plaintive voice, happy to be included. Mm -hmm. And then Cliff invites himself. And then Carla has the line about the party being for lonelies, not homelies. Supposing he's going to be with his mother. His mother's serving food to people at the rescue mission. And Cliff says that he's not joining her because he already did his part that year by being in Hands Across America. <laughs> so Carla says, okay, he can come. And Cliff looks delighted by this, that he's allowed to come <laughs> to right, the Thanksgiving right. oh, He really is. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. And then Carla invites Norm and Vera. And Carla's enthusiastic about Norm coming. You know, everybody wants Norm to be around. Yeah. So Norm says they have to go to Vera's mother's. They have no beer, no TV, and the heat turned up to 80. And then Cliff kind of mocks Norm, which he will do once in a while. But in this instance, Norm says that Cliff's right. Count him in. He'll just tell Vera they're going to go to Carla's. Carla says they should be there around noon. And Woody said, this is the first instance of Woody's oft-repeated refrain, this is going to be the greatest. Throughout the episode, this is going to be the greatest. Diane is relieved. She says she's not going to have to worry about her poor little Thanksgiving orphans whilst I sup with literati. <laughs> I can't God. even get through saying that. It's a good, that's a good line, though. It's just, you yeah. know, one of those like it leaves blank stares on everybody else's face because they like, why is she talking this way? <laughs> and then Sam, it doesn't know who's luckier. You because you get to go to that great party or us because you get to go to that great party. Yeah. That really, so that's the whole setup. And that's really the end of what we see in the bar. I think it works well as a setup. Like, it's funny on its own as a prelude to the main story. What did you think about all of that? No, I agree. It, it does operate very well on its own, but it sets everything up, like, perfectly. Everything else that follows is in line with that. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think they, they set everything up really well. Yeah. And I think all the characterizations, like, throughout the episode are set up with that invitation scheme right there right. in that scene, too. Right. You kind of have, you kind of know how it's going to play out. Mm-hmm. as it does and how the characters are going to interact and everything yeah yep. yep. so we're at carla's house and the only other time i think the only time other time we've seen this is in the episode when carla purchased the house the sort of pseudo halloween episode when mm-hmm. we were at the house uh, when she bought it and thought maybe it was haunted and so forth so we really haven't seen it as a lived-in space but now we do it looks like it has a lot of toys and kind of kid stuff like all the set decoration makes it look very much like a, a family home woody cliff and fraser are watching tv and even just the way they are set up and move through this scene is great i think so woody and cliff are on the sofa and fraser's on the armchair on the right norm shows up with this enormous paper bag and carla asks where vera is norm says she's putting on a little more makeup the first coat didn't take <laughs> <laughs> And then Carla's kind of skeptical, so Norm admits that they had a fight. And he seems pretty bothered by this. And he says that Vera knew how much this meant to him, and she insisted on going to her mother's anyway. He doesn't know if she's coming or not. He said that he's going to Carla's, and she can meet him there if she wants to, basically. 
So then Norm sits in the armchair on the left. <laughs> First, he swivels the TV all the way over in yes. that direction. He doesn't just turn it a little bit so he can see it. He just like pulls it right around to his chair, as do mm -hmm. they all when they're moving this TV around, which I think is one of the, I don't know, I think this is one of the subtle, hilarious parts of this episode. And then Woody and Cliff move down the sofa. And then Frasier, who now can't see the TV at all from the armchair on the right, kind of looks livid at this point. And it's just this ongoing gag that I think is so well done. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I love his facial expressions throughout this entire episode. Mm -hmm. How he just allows this this annoyance and then outright anger to play on his face and frustration and everything. I think he does it so well without any dialogue, really. Yes. I love it. I agree. His expressions are in the whole episode are great, both yeah. in this scene and at the the table, I think. So Carla says Vera will probably come to her senses and show up. And Woody reiterates that it's an important thing is that we're all here now. He, the Norm's here with them now. This is going to be the best Thanksgiving ever. So Norm's kind of, he's cheered. He stands up. He pulls this enormous raw turkey by its feet out of the paper bag. <laughs> and then... He says he planned for more cooking time, but traffic on I-93 was bumper to bumper. So Cliff says he took the side streets, and then Frazier and Woody chime in with the routes that they took. So it's this whole discussion, the first time they had this discussion of how to get to Carla's house and the fastest route to Carla's house. Mm -hmm. So Carla shows Norm to the kitchen, and then at that point, with Norm gone, Frazier gets up, and then he swivels the TV all the way back to his chair, kind of with a little <laughs> bit of, like, retribution. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And then Woody and Cliff, it's their attitudes, too, because Woody and Cliff just simply move back down the sofa. They, they're just moving back and forth the entire time without any kind of anger, you know. It's almost like whoever is on the left side, first Norm and then Sam coming up, is oblivious that anybody else wants to see the TV, Frazier on the right side is angry, and then the two in the middle just kind of deal with whatever comes their way. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So Cliff hands out some popcorn balls, and Woody recognizes them as the exact ones he brought to the Halloween party. And Frazier kind of stops eating his popcorn ball when that is revealed. I don't think this is like a super joke, but I think it's in keeping with Cliff's character. So I mm -hmm. like that. He's going to recycle it at any point in time. Mm -hmm. you know, recycle so we don't have to bring a new thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It seemed very much a cliff thing to do. <laughs> right, pawn something old off on him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the door, I think the doorbell rang, and then Norm, kinda, he sort of hurries out and opens the door for Sam, saying he thought maybe Sam was Vera. So Norm, it's interesting. Norm is kind of eager that Vera might show up after all. And so because of that, Sam says he can't wait to meet her in a vain way or something. <laughs> thinking she must look like him yeah. <laughs> right right so there's this explanation from sam that his date sister showed up from out of town didn't like this idea so he's by himself and then this is the part where he sits in the chair that norm vacated and then swivels the tv while he's talking and greeting everybody he just turns it completely around to himself and then woody and cliff move again fraser gives up and i think and joins them on the end of the couch you know woody goes on again the important thing is that sam is here now we're all here this is going to be the greatest and then there's this little comment he has about who needs family. And Frazier says that Woody's right. Family's not necessarily limited to blood relations. And I think that that's a, it, it's a fitting description of this entire, like of the show, but of this entire episode, especially, I think. Right. For yeah. sure. Without being like overly maudlin about it. It's like that little bit kind of says it all. Mm -hmm. So Cliff says this is much better than hanging out with dingbat cousins. And then Sam adds, or waiting for some duddy old aunt to show up and spoil all your fun. <laughs> At which the very second the doorbell rings. <laughs> and then Carla opens the door to Diane, who is in her full pilgrim outfit, saying, like, gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> yeah. 
And then she just violently shoves Diane out the door <laughs> and shuts it, leans against the door. Mm-hmm. And that's the first act at Carla's house. So they're all there, and then here comes Diane. And Sam insists that Carla's going to open the door for Diane. It's Thanksgiving, you know, like, let her in. <laughs> and Diane says she'd rather be among friends than with her stuffy old professor. So Sam knows something's wrong and asks Diane what happened. And then I noticed that it's another one of like Frazier's sort of side impression or impressions on the side. He kind of throws his hand out in question as well. Like, well, we might as well hear it or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Diane reveals that the students were invited as domestic help. And you can hear Carla laughing from the kitchen about that. (laughs) I like that line. Yeah. Cliff asks if she told her professor off. Diane says she burst into tears and fled. And so Woody, of course puts his arm around her and says that the important thing is that she's here with them now. This is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody that comes in, Woody's like, this is going to be great. Isn't this where uh, Carla says something, will, will someone please tell Andy Hardy to shut up yeah. or something yes. like that? I, I didn't get that reference. I mean, I, I figured it was some reference to a show I didn't know or something. I looked it up briefly. It was a character... And um, I think a series of like Metro Golden Mayer movies mm-hmm. back in the day when they had more of like, I guess, like actors that were in the studio system and that would make movies mm-hmm. for the same studio. So it was like 16 of them, I think, with his char- with um, this character of Andy Hardy that Mickey Rooney played. And I think it was just a basic, okay. you know, like Midwestern American <laughs> kind of innocent. I know Mickey Rooney the played those. Of these- yeah, people. I knew he played those characters, so that oh, okay. makes sense there. Yeah, yeah, that's that up. yeah. I haven't seen it. I, I mean, that's the only thing I know about it. But <laughs> it fits Woody for sure. Right. right. So Fraser tells Diane to call the professor. Nail his sheepskin to the wall. And as he's saying this, Fraser stands up to turn the t- he's taking charge. He's going to turn the TV back toward his chair, and so everybody slides over that way again. So Diane calls Doctor Narsutis. And I think, doesn't she say something about, like, this is Diane Chambers, the one who fled? He asks something like that, and she's like, yes, the one who fled. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And he apologizes, apparently invites her back. And Sam and mm-hmm. Carla are encouraging her to go. Yeah. And then she talks about how she's with her friends, and it's her support system, and and so forth, that she's going to stay there. And then she asks if it's going to affect her grade. <laughs> uh, apparently not. So she stays, and then she says... To them, like something about like now that I find myself in the warmth of your company, how could I possibly leave? Mm-hmm. And everybody revisits the earlier conversation of the the routes they took to get to Carlos. <laughs> I was like, oh well, you could just take on the side street. I didn't hear everything that they said, but it was so well played and such a good, you know, again like return back to that previous conversation. Yes, exactly. And Diane asked for a beer. She's she's something like you holiday Willigans or something like that. Give me a beer. So she's tries to fit in. To some degree. So Norm hands her a beer. And Diane then asks about Sam's date and doesn't seem to believe Sam's explanation that the date's sister showed up. Mm-hmm. And there's a little moment. Doesn't she say, like, chortle, chortle? Of course she yeah. did. Chortle, mm-hmm. chortle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Sam continues to insist that he's telling her the truth. And Diane is ta- she's taking a sip of beer as he says this and then, like, turns as she's finishing the sip and says, like, and I love you for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was the part I thought was like a little, it was a little sappy, but she, it was so well delivered with the beer and then Sam's just blank face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Norm comes out. I think it's the, his first turkey report. Turkey's been in the oven for over five minutes, for about five minutes. First of many updates. And Carla turns the TV back to the game. So, of course, she's upset that they're watching sports. 
But they, I think they say the game's almost over. And so they mm-hmm. have time going by. And this, I thought that was a, a neat use of sort of a t- almost time-lapse technique in this episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it worked really well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So Diane is out of the room. When time, like, time goes by, she comes back in the living room and asks, isn't the game over yet? And then she remarks that their uniforms are different colors than before. <laughs> and they just all like flatly dismiss her or whatever. Yeah. You know? Like she, yeah. It, it, what, what does Woody say? Or somebody says something like they have to do that or whatever. And <laughs> Cliff, ex- right. Cliff explains they have to change them every time they score a touchdown. Yeah. And she just buys it. She's like, she oh, does. okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. She does. <laughs> that was the best part. No, I she wouldn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a good use of Cliff's sort of penchant for fabricating Trivia uh-huh. information too, but yeah, her like nodding, like oh, I see. You know that was. <laughs> so then Cliff asked about the turkey's progress. Asked Norm about the turkey's progress. Then more time goes by, and they're all kind of switching positions, and the TV's going back and forth too. I noticed between yes. like the left and the right, people are still moving the TV around. So it's you get the sense it's like you've seen the long version, and now they're just kind of cutting out <laughs> chunks of it. <laughs> You know, and you just sort of see where the TVs ended up in each part where everybody is resting. Hmm. So Diane comes in and sees them watching professional wrestling. It's Hulk Hogan, I think, that's on TV. Yeah. And so Norm is bouncing a football off of Woody's head over on the side. Like, they're all just kind of playing around and watching sports. And then somebody says something like, you're right, we should turn it back to football. And then Diane is complaining that watching football was not the Pilgrim's original intent for Thanksgiving. And she turns the TV off. And I guess she would know since she's dressed like a pilgrim. Yes. You know, this is one thing I will say in this episode. She's she's very much cast as like this sort of mother hen character, right? Like she's just mm-hmm. there interfering and, and everything when she wasn't even supposed to be there originally. And Right. It's obviously that's her character. I get that. It's played for laughs and everything. But there are moments where it's like, oh, my God. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. That one when she's turning the TV off and then a few at the table. Yes. Uh, yeah. So Norm smooths things over. He says that the turkey's probably almost done. So they sit at the table. Diane tells Cliff not to eat until the turkey's on the table. So she really is kind of controlling the day's events and unwittingly setting in motion this period of hunger that does not end well. And Norm comes out with another report. Turkey is not brown yet. It's more of an (laughs) off-white. Off-white. Which is kind of what it was to start with. So Diane wants everyone to stand and give thanks for that which, what does it say? For that which they are thankful Mm-hmm. basically to talk about what, what they're thankful for. Yeah. And she has Sam go first. Sam had scooted out to the restroom and was you know, taking a little bit longer time than needed to avoid just such a thing as this. <laughs> so he says that he's thankful he has a great car and stereo and that he's not dressed in a pilgrim's outfit. <laughs> and Woody asked to go next. And I really thought he was sincere at the beginning. He says he's thankful, he's thankful that he's an American. And I like the little murmur of agreement. And Sam even says, like, hey, all right. And Fraser mm-hmm. nods. I really mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And then he says he's thankful for the upbringing that his parents gave them and for his friends that he has made in Boston. And then he says, that, and that I can do this. And he, basically that he can touch his tongue to his nose. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like what started off very appropriately has gone downhill. Yes. Yeah, everything. Everybody thinks that's pretty cool, and Carla shows how she can pull her her foot to her head, basically. And then everybody kind of it just is, devolves into a show of everyone showing what tricks they can do with their their bodies. Right. Until Diane just has this outburst and says they're not there to be thankful for strange things they can do with their bodies. 
the way she delivered that line too i mean it got a lot of laughs but it was very much like you know you can't hear half the line because she's shouting above you know all their noise and stuff yes she's just so exasperated with everything (laughs) it's a very punctuated line as i recall like strange Uh things yeah yeah she definitely drags it out so you don't so you don't miss a word really right yeah. Well, this brings this is interesting because I hadn't thought about it, but there are a number of things I think that I can hear them, but I have to sort of like really try to understand what they're saying because something else is going on in the scene. Like they're all talking and then one person is talking louder or the audience is laughing. And so I'm trying to hear what's still being said. And I think they do a good job of rising above that, but I think that there's just more background than there is sometimes <laughs> in most episodes. And yet, and this is a point that I had for the end, as much as the audience is laughing, it still seems sort of like an intimate episode. Like, it seems personal just that these people are there having this Thanksgiving, you know, debacle. I don't feel like I'm watching a show, even though toward the end, it's clearly... (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I would say I don't even know that they're completely in character during some of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we can... We can discuss that, I guess. But I, I see your point on that. Because, yeah, I mean, obviously it's played for laughs, but it does, it does, this entire episode feels very intimate, you know, and, mm-hmm. and very close set, especially once situation. you're at her uh, Carla's house. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the audience laughter doesn't really deter from that in my experience. No, me neither. So Norm goes to check the turkey, and then Diane decides she's going to show them what she had in mind. And so she talks about how on Thanksgiving she too is thankful for her dear friends and so forth and her mind goes back to the people that have influenced her and so she goes through this list of artists like Deschardins and who else were they like Emily Dickinson was one of them the Buddha the Buddha um. <laughs> yeah and then the Buddha she's just the way the she Buddha. says it and Frazier you talk about Frazier's expression his head just kind of drops and he just kind of uh-huh. hangs his head when she yeah. mentions the Buddha oh my god that was hysterical <laughs> and then it ends with Joan of Arc and Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop Yes. And there was, again, a time lapse during that, too. So more time has passed, and everybody is, at the end of it, looking at, like, the plates and utensils or whatever they can find to capture their attention while she's still talking, giving her list of inspirations. So Norm comes out. He's got a turkey update. They're moving into the earth tones. And everybody is, like, a little more slumped over in their chairs by this point. And then we have another, you know, period of time going by. Norm says something about how the little pop thing won't pop. And at this point, everybody's either like Carla, I think, has her head just thrown back. They're mm-hmm. either like completely slumped in the chair or they're completely collapsed on the table. Pretty much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like they've run out of any kind of entertainment, any kind of, you know, discussion, dialogue they could have. And Woody is irritated. He talks about how he doesn't know what the pop thing is or he's never. What was it like something about like somebody explained to me what the pop thing is because in. You know, like where yeah. I come from in the country, turkeys aren't born with little pop things. Right, right. Yeah. And Fraser at this point explodes. I mean, just <laughs> blows up. <laughs> it says the little pop thing has a name. It's called a thermometer. Then like, the, can we all please say thermometer? So they and they just scream. scream it and, and they're just irate. I love that line delivery. <laughs> yes. They're just like exasperated and right. matching his tone. And yeah, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they do match his tone. That's true. They yell it in exactly the same tone that he says it. So Norm says that saying thermometer isn't going to make it pop out any faster. And then he gripes to Carla that something's wrong with her oven. And so Carla, I would say before this, Carla's normal demeanor and Carla, her slightly irritated demeanor, there's not a great range between those two. So you can't necessarily 
say that she's more irritated than usual. Right. Because I would say, like, except for Diane and Cliff, and, if you know, she's pretty happy with the people being there. And she seems to be, like, she's a good hostess. Mm -hmm. She's pouring wine, doing all these things. So she's a little bit more pleasant than normal. But you can't, I, I don't think you can tell, like, her irritation level just because she, you know, at Cheers is usually at a slightly elevated irritation level. No, he's a good, well, you're right. I mean, she's at work there. She's exasperated. She's at work away from the kids and everything. And here you find her like in her own home, in her own element. And she does right. seem a bit more relaxed and everything, you know. Mm -hmm. and, until this part. <laughs> well, yeah, until, <laughs> until the very part end. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because everybody else has gotten like <laughs> detectively more irritable than normal. But Carla, yeah. I would say, is kind of riding on like her usual. And then... When Norm suggests that there's something wrong with her oven, it's just the look she gets. It's a great line, I think, but just the look in her eyes. And she said, like, just glaring at him, like, hey, my oven was just fine until you stuffed Birdzilla in it. <laughs> and then Sam tries to calm the situation, which is Sam's usual way of doing things as well at the bar. He does that. And so at the Thanksgiving dinner at Carla's, he's doing the same thing. Like, it's just, yep. we're just all hungry. At some point, he talks about how they're all probably just, you know, need to eat and whatnot. He's trying to calm everybody down. Woody says, with far less enthusiasm, it's Thanksgiving. He still thinks it's going to be the greatest. <laughs> but he doesn't quite have that warmth to it anymore. Mm -hmm. And then Frazier blurts out, who the hell do we think we're kidding? I wrote all of this down. We're all a bunch of pathetic dropouts, scorned by our loved ones. Has anybody <laughs> ever loved us at all? <laughs> it's yes. so caustic. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so funny, though. <laughs> And so Sam calms him down, tells him to lighten up. That's when he says they're just hungry. And they look around, you know, and notice the cold and wilted condition of all the side dishes. I think they're commenting on the potatoes at one point and the hair on the grudite. And then there were, there were several other things that they, yeah, they mentioned. Yeah, the peas, the peas and everything. Well, right, right, right. So Carla apparently made the peas. And so she's looking at Norm. She's still angry about the oven comment, I guess. Wants her to pass her the peas. She made them. She knows they're okay. <laughs> And then Norm thinks the remark was directed at him. And so Carla goes off on the turkey, the stuffing, and the gravy, and how you could walk across the skin on the gravy. <laughs> <laughs> and then Norm fires back. Norm, who is almost never angry, fires back and refers to Carla as Julia Child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good line, too. Yes. Slams the bowl of her perfect peas. And then he says, like, I spilled one, sorry, and flicks it at Carla. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to stop at this point and ask, like, what did you, so what did you think of this and what did you think was going to happen at this very point? I, <laughs> I did, well, when he spilled the pee, I kind of thought we're going to get into some sort of, some sort of food fight throwing okay. match. I did think that that was the inevitable conclusion. I didn't think it would go as far as it did. I will mm -hmm. say that, but I knew that it was going to be some sort of some sort of food fight back and forth. <laughs> okay. So Carla says, like, the great, she kind of starts to get over it. So the gravy's okay, and then so are the carrots. Mm -hmm. Then she flicks a carrot at Norm. So it's all kind of slow and measured. Like, they're angry, but it's, yeah. like, small, discreet pieces of food that can easily, like, Carla wipes the pee off of herself. Like, Norm, it's not, you know, he's not messy. It's just a little piece of carrot. It's just, it's building and building. My perspective is it could have ended there. They could have calmed down. Like he hit her with a pea. She hit him with a carrot. They're both could have brought it down a notch from that point. Yeah. And then across the table, 
I mean, like several seats down, not involved at all. Cliff asks, anybody want some of these lovely yams? <laughs> Picks up the serving spoonful of yams and flings it across the table. <laughs> yes. He's just so eager oh, to get God. this going into something else. But it's he's so calm when he says it. Like, he is not angry at Frasier. There was nothing going on there. Like, with, right. bet- you know, as between Carla and Norm when they're irritated and they're flicking the little things back and forth. Like, mm-hmm. that's true. <laughs> Cliff just takes it to the next level. And, yeah. I, I could not watch that part enough. It's just so funny. His nonchalant whole thing of messy yams. Like, that's uh-huh. it. They're done. So it's completely random and unprovoked. And then Frazier still got his face when those yams hit him. And he kind of places his napkin on the table and asks Woody if he'd care to taste the gravy skin. And then with his fingers, Frazier, the eminent doctor, flings gravy across the table onto Woody. The war is started now. It really is almost like some sort of war where it's like you get a little bit of a skirmish, a little yeah. bit of, you know, return fire. Both sides could have calmed down. It could have ended there. And then somebody, like, really ratcheted it up a notch. And now mm-hmm. it's just going full, full bore. <laughs> so they all grab handfuls of food and they back away from the table, preparing to launch. And I think Diane had been seeing something from the kitchen. There's a moment when I looked back and I saw she was doing something in the kitchen and she's like has this look of concern on her face. Mm-hmm. And so she's out of the kitchen now and she stands and screams. <laughs> I mean, just like somebody's screaming bloody murder. She's like, mm-hmm. people, 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 stop this immediately. Yeah. Looks like she's going to burst a blood vessel or something. Yeah, she begins to reprimand them. She's like, "What was? I, I've never been witness to such a silly." And I think she's starting to say sophomoric. And then this mm-hmm. handful of cranberry hits her on her white pilgrim collar. <laughs> <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I like the way they did that too, because you could kind of guess where it came from. But all you see from the way that this is filmed is like the cranberry hitting her while she's yelling. Right. And then it cuts to Sam with you know his hands with cranberry residue on them but you don't see him throw you just see the cranberry hit her mm-hmm. i thought that was great diane now joins in the melee so it says like sam malone prepare what was it like kiss your butt goodbye something like yeah. that yeah kiss your butt goodbye mm-hmm. yeah so she's in it at this point <laughs> they're all in it at that yeah. point I yeah mean, just madness it, it is ma- it's mm. out of control <laughs> I wish I remembered everything I'd read about them filming this episode. I remember a few things. I think they had to do it a couple times, which just seems like that would be an impossible cleaning task. They just went for it, basically. It's out of control. The table is shoved around. This is when, I mean, they're obviously like they're in character, but I don't think that some of the things that were going on were necessarily intended. I would have loved to have known what the direction was on this one because That part when Ted Danson, I mean, he obviously, clearly it's Ted Danson losing his balance. The table is like sliding across the floor. He spins around. He has to grab the table edge to not just drop onto the floor. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Kelsey Grammer is also like slipping and almost falls. Mm-hmm. And then I think that Cliff has Woody in a headlock and is dumping food on him. And then Diane is doing the same, similar to Cliff. It's just crazy. Yeah. And fun. This it just looks like it was such fun to film, you mm-hmm. know, just out of control, letting loose like that. I can't imagine. I've never been in a food fight, and um, much as I wanted to be one in school and everything, I can just imagine. It just looks so much fun. You can oh, just yeah. see the they look like they're a good the time. amount of fun. Yeah, right, right. Like when you had just have to go for it, and you know you're going to be a hot mess anyway at the end of it, you know. But it does. I mean, it's just. <laughs> They really did get into it with that, all the furniture and the floor being slippery. And then the audience is just screaming with laughter, but Mm -hmm. I still am 
feel like I'm in the middle of this. I mean, that may be the one moment when I think about it being a show, but really you just feel like you it's built up so well, I think, to that point that it yeah. still feels like you're in this situation just with those seven people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can see that. That they do a really good job of setting that up to be this sort of intimate drama between just these people. I don't know what exactly it was about the set or everything. Maybe it was mm-hmm. the fact that they were sitting around the table, but it worked. It really worked. And I, I, I agree with you. So time goes by. Everybody somehow has calmed down. The table is in place again. Everyone is contentedly enjoying the end of the meal. They're covered in food. Diane is saying that she's going to get revenge on Sam and he won't know when and so forth. The turkey, apparently at some point, the turkey must have finished cooking. Like there's so much that we don't see that happens Uh for all of the time that we've been like waiting and waiting through every moment. You know, we don't see the turkey being finished. We don't see like the real meal that happened because they've all eaten. They all seem very sated and happy. The turkey carcass is like, I mean, that's all that's left is like the bone. Right. <laughs> so which it I also was clearly was edible at some point. In time. Yeah. It's like cleaned bear, this huge turkey that Norm brought. So Woody says at this point, he wants to make a toast to their loved ones that weren't first fortunate enough to be with them. And I really like this. I thought that added, it wasn't jarring to have it amidst the comedy. It just kind of worked well, I think, for like after the really big, huge humorous scene to have that happen. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, they name drop Coach, for instance. Yeah. That was a really sweet moment. Yeah, everybody. Mm, yeah, no, I think that was a, the sweet moment because Woody talks about his mom and dad, Uncle Fergie. Carla says her kids, and Norm says Vera. Cliff says Ma. So everybody's saying, like, the person, or most of them are saying a person missing that we know about or have heard about, but that is not really part of their group and naming them. And then Sam says coach. There's a part, just getting way further ahead, there's a part in the finale, like the last episode of the show, that kind of harkens back to that too. And I really like, I like that connection. Yeah. Diane goes to get dessert. At this point, Norm's asking if everyone had enough to eat and the doorbell rings, so he's getting up to answer the door (laughs) as Frazier remarks that he, he didn't get a chance to try the potatoes. And Sam leans back in his chair. It's like, oh, here, let me. Reaches back to the mantle, grabs a fistful of potatoes with his hand, and then just kind of slaps them on Fraser's plate. <laughs> and Fraser says, like, oh, thank you. As though yeah. Sam were, like, formally serving him. <laughs> it's like they've given up all pretense that any of this is going to be normal. You know, right. I really like that. I thought that was, like, I loved the little bits that they added that were so funny. Mm-hmm. Like that moment. Like everything just seems full. Everybody's doing something. It's like Norm's gone to get the door, and then Sam is helping Frazier to these potatoes from the were like slapped onto the mantle in the food bite. Mm-hmm. So outside of the scene, we hear Norm say, like, Vera, you came, honey, I'm so happy. And so everybody turns toward the door. And Sam says, Great, we finally get to meet Vera. And Sam gets up and walks toward the door. Actually, he's kind of limping a little bit <laughs> toward the door. So <laughs> right, something yeah, must have yeah, happened yeah. in that food bite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some of those acrobatics he had True. to do might not have, mm. he might not have been up for that. So Diane comes out of the kitchen with a pie, tells Sam to think fast, and then throws the pie. So Sam ducks, and then Norm walks in with Vera, who caught Diane's pie in the face. <laughs> and that's all we see of Vera, who says, "Charming friends, Norm, get your coat." That's right. Diane oh. looks horrified, and Diane is still wearing her pilgrim outfit. <laughs> so, now this the the actress that played Vera that was um, the actress who previously appeared. Oh my gosh, I can't remember the season, but as um, Cliff's love interest, um, that right? was Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell, yep, in, who uh, is season three. 
because she is George Wendt's real life wife. And I cannot yes. remember her name at this moment. It's Bernadette Burkett. That's it. Yeah. Bernadette yep. Burkett. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was her beneath the pie face. Mm-hmm. That's my understanding. Yep. Yeah, I Which I think is a tell. neat yeah. connection. Yeah. yeah, it is. That's cool. Yeah, you because know, all you see is pie and her hair and her coat, basically. Right. But just based on her build and her hair, it, it did remind me that it could be the same woman. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love how, you know, all the anticipation of Vera, who is, you know, completely faceless and everything to this point. And here she comes yep. walking in and then you get right in the face, you know. it's In a way, maybe it's predictable. I don't know. But I, I, I think it really worked for this episode. I do too. I, yeah, it is a little, I guess it might be a little predictable, but I think like for this episode, like you said, they just set it up so well. Yeah. With Norm hoping that she'll show up, you know, and that's mm-hmm. kind of like one of those through lines throughout the episode is him wanting her to be there, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then she, when she is and they get to meet her. <laughs> that's what they get. That's what happens. And yeah. it's done by Diane. <laughs> Miss, Miss Prim and Proper. Mm-hmm. This is just a really fun fun episode it just it flows really well from start to finish and Mm -hmm. fun is the number one word that comes to mind for me oh me too me too it's 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 really fun everything about it to me is fun because it's so funny Mm -hmm. it has really the best of highbrow and lowbrow humor you know like the food fight all of those sorts of things I don't know that if you just had a food fight, like that's not necessarily funny, but it's the build up to that. It's the, mm-hmm. the characters that are doing it. And it's the balance again of like their reactions. And then also just the humor that's come up to that point. That's the more sort of either intellectual or witty or whatever it is, you know, um, it feels earned. It feels earned oh, to that point. Like it's not point. just out of nowhere. It's, it's earned. You've gotten, you've built the tension, you've gotten to this point and here's the inevitable outcome, you know? Yes. Yes, exactly. It's not just like, well, we don't have anything else to do. Let's have a food fight or that would be fun. It's, it's the, exactly. Yeah. Because the whole episode, built, like you said, it builds to that, but it's enjoyable other than that as well. It is regarded as a classic episode, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's just like you could say, oh, it's the one with the food fight. I mean, you could because it's so <laughs> identifiable. If you're uh-huh. going to tell somebody, they would know instantly which one it was. But... I think that it's just, it's a lot more of that in the watching of it, for sure. Right. You've also got the pilgrim costume. <laughs> the pilgrim costume. You've got the, you know, all of the little repeated bits, like the Woody saying it's going to be the greatest Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. Norm checking the turkey over and over, and the TV going back and forth. Like, all of these mm-hmm. things that could be part of a, a quirky family sort of t- Thanksgiving, you know. Yes. Different yeah. directions on how to get there, like the best way to get there, all of this stuff. I don't know. It's hilarious. It's warm. You know, you have these moments, a lot of them led by Woody and a few by Sam, I think, that are very heartfelt. Mm -hmm. I feel like the physical comedy here was pretty top notch, too. You know, I mean, it not that it hasn't been. It it has been, of course, in episodes in episodes prior, but so many people are a part of it and it's extended in this episode. And Mm -hmm. I felt like it really worked for how they used it. I do, too. And I guess that's like maybe that's a better description than highbrow and lowbrow is like you have all the physical comedy which i guess i think of as being lowbrow and then you have the more verbal comedy which i think of as usually a little more highbrow no well no that's true that i mean do you do you have you have a good marriage of the two absolutely and all, but all, and all the physical comedy too is it's character based i mean the food fight really you know because that's it's still character based but it's kind of like they're all just kind of going for it and it could be just a little bit the characters and a little bit the actors but i still think that's a lot of fun to see 
Yeah. But all the things, like when you mentioned Frazier's expressions, his expressions <laughs> when they keep moving that TV away from him, and his mm-hmm. expression when Diane is thanking the Buddha, <laughs> all yeah. of these things, are that's kind of like a physical facial comedy, I guess, as well. In a way, I kind of feel like Frazier's kind of the VIP here because when, if you think of it, you you spoke early about earlier about how the episode kind of has that cyclical nature, how mm-hmm. you, you reference something and it comes to play later on. Well, from the teaser, he is kind yeah. of bitter, you know, mm-hmm. psychoanalyzing Rudolph and the story and how you know he's bullied and blah blah blah, and he's right. kind of negative throughout the rest of the episode, not in an, an intrusive way but very negative and nihilistic about certain elements. And that just contributes to the negative tension and the atmosphere. And it it just comes full circle. So um, that coupled with his, his facial features and just how in his element he is as a character here, how he's fully included with everybody. I feel Mm -hmm. like he's kind of the underdog and the VIP in this episode. Like you see him come into his own as a member of the group. I feel like for one of the first times here, I mean, He's been included before, certainly. But here, you know, he's a regular. He's part of it. He's in the home. And it just feels like he's just there completely. You know what I mean? I do. I do. And even at the beginning when he's not the very beginning in the teaser when he's kind of caustic, which I do. I agree with you. I think that comes back. And it's like, who are we kidding? We're all a bunch of pathetic dropouts (laughs) going way back to his comments on Rudolph in the teaser. Mm -hmm. But even the part when he's wanting to go to Carla's and he's pontificating on the loneliness of the holidays and how people deal with those and whatnot. And then when she invites him and he's like, could I? And he's then included in this sort of makeshift family group. He is just himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And very naturally <laughs> himself. And it does seem like people getting together for a family holiday party, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are their own family in their own right, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're the chosen yeah. family. And yet, the tensions and everything that you would have anywhere is the same. And I think that, that this, it just plays out really well here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's perfect holiday episode, too. Mm-hmm. I would say it's a perfect episode of Tears. It's different because it's not all in the bar, of course. Like, it's one of the, it's really, I think, one of the few that has the entire cast outside the bar for the main mm-hmm. part of the story. So it's not, like, entirely typical. But it, it is almost like they're at the bar, but in a more concentrated form because it's just those seven characters and, you know, no extras, no other plots or anything like that. Mm -hmm. What else? What other thoughts did you have on it? I just, I think overall, like I said, it just, it just works. It works on all these levels. It's just so much fun and... It, it has the perfect balance of the, the great dialogue and the great writing and then just the things that don't necessarily require great writing, like the physical comedy, you know. Mm-hmm. They, just, they just own the food fight and facial expressions and everything. It just works so well together. Another note, this is like on a smaller, smaller thing, like just the, the little details. Because I noticed when Carla, she, called, she goes around, she's pouring wine for everyone except for Sam, who has his own drink. And then he refills it and uses like his own, you know, seltzer or whatever, water for the toast. And it's not a big deal. Like it's not made a big deal of, but everybody else is drinking wine. And I like that they show that because it's consistent and it's just a good subtle character reminder, I think. Yeah. So I like that continuity throughout the series, even though it's not like a funny thing. It's not even part of the story. It's just part of that ongoing sense that everything's in motion and that they really are at this point real attempted holiday dinner Mm -hmm. right she's just gonna respect his choices and his you know needs there and everything Mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah it's just it adds to the realism i think Mm -hmm. right yeah right 
Yeah, and I mean, to me, it's just the pretty much what we've said over and over, I guess. It's kind of the epitome of cheer. Like, it's just a group of various yeah. people getting together with Carla's for the holiday. It's just quintessential. And this was my obviously my first time watching this episode, but I knew mm. going into it that this was a highly rated classic episode. I, I just just by yeah. virtue of having you know I don't know osmosis or whatever, I've, I I knew that, and I can definitely see why because it's a lot of fun. You have the whole cast right. involved in this, and you've got the physical comedy element and the the food, everything about it works. I think from start mm-hmm. to finish, it's really yep. good. Yeah, and everybody is like the best of their character is contributing like the best of whatever their characters like all the characters are strong mm-hmm. yeah it's a great ensemble piece yep so. definitely what is your rating for this episode my rating is a very solid five yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> same for you or same for me same for okay. me five stars I, this is our first well we yep. didn't start the ratings from the beginning but um first five star solidly episode i think yes it just, it just works on so many elements. It's one of those that I could definitely see rewatching every year and, oh, yes. and being able to glean something new from it, which is, mm-hmm. I think, the number one criteria for me in rating anything top score. You know, I want to be able to go back and get more from it than I got the first viewing. You know, right. there's there's all those layers to it and everything, and I think this episode delivers on that. I do too. I entirely agree. And I, you know, we didn't start rating until this season, but I don't know as much as I really like and or love some of the previous episodes i don't know that i would have given any of them five necessarily and certainly not just been unquestionably a five right i can i think we're at that point where everything is just really gelling together and firing on all cylinders like i said you've Mm -hmm. got you've got the cast you've got the writing you've got everything just finally not that it not that it hasn't before it has but something about this episode it just all comes together perfectly it does i'm sure you could nitpick and find like one little thing here or there that could be improved like nothing comes to my mind that i would Mm -hmm. say oh i would do this differently or what if they had done that it's just absolutely it's just a perfect machine and yet really creative at the same time yeah yeah worthy of a rewatch you definitely find new like new little enjoyable things and then just enjoying seeing some of the and hearing some of the old things again mm-hmm. just the way they're done like when cliff throws those yams at woody <laughs> yes. and it's not just saying it like that doesn't because i'm not that into or i think i'm not that into physical humor so if i just was reciting this happened and then that happened it wouldn't be as funny as seeing those characters going through that right. entire Right. It benefits play. from it's the, almost like a play at that point. You yeah. Know? It benefits from the writing. It benefits from the tension that's built up to that point and everything. I think it's difficult to top that one. Yeah. But that's that's okay because it is it's too watchable. <laughs> yes, exactly. It is in no way a perfunctory holiday episode. Mm-hmm. I think because it stands on its own just as a great episode, a great ensemble episode of television. And obviously, like, the Thanksgiving aspect of it. I mean, it is, it's a pure Thanksgiving episode, so that's really important. But it's not just like, oh, you know, each year a sitcom has to do a holiday episode or anything of that sort. Like, it just works perfectly. The Thanksgiving part of it and then the Cheers part of it, you know, mm-hmm. they're both perfect. So. Yeah. It doesn't feel like they shoehorn the the whole Thanksgiving in, thing in, you know, like, oh, we got to write around this idea because it's, you know, right. November. Yeah, right. I agree with that. All right. Well, I guess we'll let it go and finish it. <laughs> <laughs> go and watch it again. 
that will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We're co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We're your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Blaker. How's it going, Andy? Hey, it's going well. How about you? I'm doing well. Thank you. We are moving on to episode 10 of season five of Cheers. This one is called Everyone Imitates Art. It was written by Heidi Perlman, directed by James Bros, and it aired on December 4th, 1986. And the blog line is, Diane is enthusiastic about a form letter she's received from a small literary magazine called Syzygy in reply to her poetry submission until Sam manages to not only send in a poem, but also have it published. This sends Diane into a frenzy of accusations of plagiarism, followed by self-doubt, followed by joy of some sort when Sam reveals the poem's real source. And Carla goes to Graceland. <laughs> Side. A bit of right. fun for Carla there. In the teaser, so Woody is sweeping the bar late at night. It's clearly after closing. Everybody else has gone home. He's listening to the radio, and he's just kind of whistling along contentedly, and he hears a commercial for basically a career in court stenography. And so the commercial goes on and on, and Woody seems to take an interest in it. He has gotten a pencil and a piece of paper to write down the number. If you're interested in doing this, here's the number, you know. So the commercial gives the number to call three times and Woody is standing there with his pencil and piece of paper the entire like for the entirety of this and he still cannot get it (laughs) he cannot get the number down so the commercial ends and Woody kind of pauses and then goes back to work sweeping and whistling happily what did you think I love the teaser okay it's just such a slice of life for him you know I I just thought it was you know his whole he's like oh I'm gonna try to get this down try to get this down I can't you know and then he's like all right well go back to my, my you know regular regular schedule programming you know it was <laughs> right great. it was just i he's just that happy go lucky doesn't take anything too too seriously or whatever so yeah that's true i really enjoyed yeah. it i said that woody makes the teaser worthwhile because it's not like a great you know it's not like the plot's great it's him it's like you imagining what's maybe he's sweeping right. along is thinking nothing of it he just likes his right. job but then he hears this commercial it's like well wonder what that would be like. Maybe I that, I would like that career. So he's going to mm-hmm. write down the number to try it, and then he doesn't get it. Like he said, he's just like, oh, well, it goes back to the It couldn't have worked life. as a teaser with, like, Sam or whatever. It works with because no it's Woody right. as the character, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. At first, it made me a little bit sad to think, like, well, does Woody want to do something other than work at Cheers? But then you look at it in that light of, like, he's just kind of, he's heard this. It's like, Oh, yeah. this is new, and he's going to try it out, uh-huh. and then it doesn't it's work. His interest, yeah, exactly. It's, it's not, it's not anything that he takes too seriously. And when he can't get the number down, he's like, "All right, back to life." You know, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we start the episode. Carla bursts in. She's ranting and hurling insults, and 
more mask if she's practicing for the Mother of the Year speech. <laughs> Carla says she's planning her Elvis pilgrimage to Memphis and that Nick, her ex-husband, is backing out of taking care of the kids. And he says his appendix burst, which, you know, they think is serious. And then she says that his appendix bursts every time that Carla needs a favor. Mm-hmm. And then Woody says, if you're smart, he'd have that removed. <laughs> So Woody takes things at face value, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said from that, like, maybe he would be a good court stenographer. I mean, I guess he can't remember things, so that's not going to work out too well from him. He can't, like, get down the data. But right. he's it's sort of like just the facts, you know. He's going to record what's said, and that's it. It's true. Yeah. yeah. So we have that little early bit with Carla and her story. And then now we launch into the, uh, the main story. Diane is coming in. And she giddily greets sam as love of my life pain in my neck mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> they have that exchange so she's been kind of like laying this on for several episodes off and on i would say you know with sam love of my life they're just kind of continuing that you know seems to be a somewhat one-sided romance i guess in a way right right hoping that he will reciprocate so she says that she got a letter from Syzygy, which is a new literary review. And it's her description of it was that it's dedicated to publishing prose and poetry that's right on the cutting edge. And then Fraser, we talked a lot in the last episode about Fraser's <laughs> newfound sense of humor and sarcasm and <laughs> slight caustic <laughs> yes, <laughs> remarks. Yes. He says, like, well, I for one am excited for you, Diane. Ah, there it passed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's really he's he's been he's been great lately. Oh yeah, he's firing on all cylinders at this point. Mm-hmm. And he kind of grins though. I mean, that's the thing. Like he's still somewhat good natured. He grins and he asks to see the letter. Mm-hmm. And so Diane says she submitted one of her poems and was overwhelmed by the response. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can take all of this. She says it's more than she could have hoped for. And then she says, "But I blush." And she kind of holds the letter aloft, like up in the air, mm-hmm. you know, for Fraser to take. <laughs> And read, and then she just continues to laugh giddily, as which I have to commend. Shelley Long does a really good job, I think, doing these things. It's just so, it, it's just so Diane, you know. Right, right. <laughs> which, which, like you said, it's it's a compliment ultimately because she plays the character so convincingly and does those things so well that it's almost grating how yeah. well she portrays yeah. her. Absolutely. Right. So Fraser instantly looks at the letter, instantly notes it's a rejection letter. And Diane calls it a soon and inevitably to be accepted letter. <laughs> and she starts to quote from the letter um, things like, your work is not entirely without promise. And seeing them in this, this light of, you know, the quality of her work and that that's finally being recognized. Mm-hmm. And Fraser and Sam seem kind of skeptical of this. This is another, it's a little aside, but it's another interesting thing this season, I think, is Fraser and Sam seem to have like sort of a simpatico in their opinions that has grown, I think, over time, but that we're really seeing in this season. Hmm. You know, they kind of like give each other a look like, is she serious about this? Or like they're kind of agreeing <laughs> on an opinion, you know, yeah. usually about Diane. Mm-hmm. So Sam says it looks like a form letter. And Diane thinks Sam is envious and reassures him that she can heed her man as well as her muse. (laughs) And Sam's telling her she turns every defeat into a victory. Which kind of, that sounds more positive than I would say. I would say she's in denial. (laughs) Which I guess is like the, you know, maybe he's... Yeah, 
two ways of presenting it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But it is true. It's like she can't accept that he's not in a relationship with her. You know, this hello love of my life. And she's so sure that he's going to ask her to marry him again and all of this. And then she's so sure that this literary magazine wants her work. So I guess it does kind of go in a theme for her. Sam says he could send a poem to the magazine and get the same letter. And she's trying to dissuade him. Oh, Sam, you know, a little bit of this reminds me of um, young Dr. Weinstein. Mm. When it's like telling him, like, he's basically telling him he's not of that, you know, elevated ilk, I guess, to be able to do this, this thing. Right, right. No. Um, she's telling him poetry is hard. And she, he's, he's telling her that, you know, it's, it just has to rhyme. And she corrects him that the most great modern poetry doesn't even have to rhyme. Which makes him think that it's going to be even easier. <laughs> which, I mean, <laughs> this is, this talk about like a low, bow, a low brow perspective. He's kind of right about <laughs> that in some, <laughs> in some regard. Like that is like a little bit of a, uh-huh. a layer of difficulty taken off, I guess. <laughs> or he's at least not wrong, I don't mm. think. <laughs> so Sam gets a pen and a piece of paper and he asks Fraser and Norm if they know how to write poetry. And Norm says he knows how to make fun of them. <laughs> and then we skip to Carla on the phone with Nick. He's going to take care of the kids so she can go to Graceland. So Diane comes in and asks Sam if he's received a letter for the poem he submitted. It's been three weeks. And she says she received her letter in two weeks. And she's kind of gloating over that. And she sees a copy of Syzygy on the bar and asks what it is. And then Woody says, it's that magazine you couldn't get your poetry into. <laughs> Woody is really good at these unintended cutting remarks that are true, I think. Right. right. Yeah. And Sam says he decided to read some of that poetry stuff in order to write poetry, which, of course, Diane commends. She says she didn't know how, that the new issue was out. Now, wouldn't she know, if she's such a fan of this magazine, wouldn't she know the publication schedule? You would think. That, yeah. That's That's... That's a good point. I mean, you would think that she would know how quickly those issues are coming out. That's what I would and think. And that she would be subscribed to it or buy it at the newsstand exactly. or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And rather, maybe it's like a flash in the pan. Like, she knows this magazine. She submitted something. Just like she gets so excited about something and then she's not anymore. I don't know. It's just I thought it was I thought it was kind of strange that she was yeah, not aware that the issue was out. And Sam says they have a poem he really likes on page 37 to go ahead and read it out loud. So she turns to page 37 and reads Nocturne by Sam Mala and then kind of screams yes. the rest of his name and drops the magazine. Mm. So. She she does that so well, too. She did that, mm-hmm. that whole physical comedy or whatever yeah. element. She does it so well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when she sees his name and starts to read it, that's, that was good. <laughs> yeah. So Sam picks up the magazine and hands it to me. He kind of brushes off saying, books are her friends. <laughs> that line okay we can't gloss over that line okay. i love that line just how we whoa diane books are our friends you know like, like this, <laughs> yeah. this almost this almost teacher student condescension yes. right like this is not how you treat a book you should know this you know i love that line I that just, was really good it was mocking in a way but it was also it was also you know you know truthful Playful right I and mean, truthful. yeah yeah she yeah. threw it to the floor and so i just i loved his delivery of that line that was really good <laughs> so <laughs> books are our friends <laughs> yeah. it's almost like you're talking to a small child you don't do yes. this to a book right 
you don't do this to other people. This is not right, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so Diane says, you should see her referring to herself in the third person. Diane Chambers is nothing if not open-minded. She's <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So Sam tells Norman Cliff just to not let it get out that he's a sensitive guy. And they're kind of high-fiving, and so Sam won a sports contest. <laughs> like, over this poem, <laughs> which I thought that was funny. And in those few seconds, Diane declares the poem one of the most amateurish, hackneyed, odious pieces of effluvium ever to wash down the pike. <laughs> so she's using all of her words. And Norm, I always like to watch what Norm is doing, his expressions. He's kind of watching all of this with an amused grin. <laughs> and then we get to this part. When she's reading, and she's like, I'll listen to this or whatever. And she's, yeah. reads, I fly through, I think it's a puckish arena where echoes dance, where echoes dance, where echoes dance. And then she pauses and she says, It sounds familiar. And then it's Norm and says, Well, you said it three times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love great it. Great line. But it's almost like it was oh. building up in Norm that he was going to make some sort of clever comment. Like, it's clever mm-hmm. coming from Norm. You know, from yeah. Woody, it would be kind of guileless and a little dumb, but it's clever, sort of like playfully poking fun at her coming from Norm. Right. right. Love it. <laughs> oh, man. Norm has comments like that once in a while, man, that are just spot on. So Diane declares the poem plagiarized. Um at some point in this, I noticed that Frazier has come up behind them. He's drinking a beer and he laughs. I think it's when Norm makes the comment, like, the well, you said it three times. <laughs> but I enjoyed seeing him just back there enjoying himself. Mm-hmm. So Diane's going to find the source of the poem, even if she has to search through every greeting card. Sam kind of laughs at that. And she says it's the blackest day in literature. <laughs> And then Frazier has this remark about Diane calming down and says that he's just come from his coping with anxiety group and recommends that Diane put a paper bag over her head, which Carla thinks is a good idea just in general. Right. right of course. <laughs> yeah. Later on, the guys are talking about reincarnation. It's just a short little discussion. It, I feel like they've discussed reincarnation before in the bar I had a conversation about it. I just can't reference an episode right now but doesn't that seem like something they've talked about in a previous episode because like, I think Norm say I must have been a, like an ass in my previous life or there was something about like what Norm making a comment about like made, I must have made an ass of myself in a previous life or yeah, something like yeah, that yeah 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 now, that? yes now that you mentioned it I do think there was something similar to that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that it's another like that they're having another discussion about reincarnation so it's like I guess like over all those years, same things are going to come up again. Uh huh. Now that you mentioned that line, I hadn't really thought of it before. It seemed like a conversation similar to ones they had in the past, but then you mentioned that exact line, and I do think they have kind of repeated that topic. Yeah, that's what I thought. So Diane comes in. She's dressed kind of in like graduate student of some sort wear. She's got on blue jeans, a button-up shirt, she's got a scarf on. Maybe it's like literary, like a poetry student, I don't know. And cigarette in her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> she's carrying this armload of books and she asks mm-hmm. me for coffee. Mm-hmm. I have thoughts on this, if okay. I may. Um, well, because, I mean, you know, the, the next second half or whatever, the remainder of this episode, I... I like how dressed down she is and and mm-hmm. and kind of affecting a whole different character in a way. Yeah. You know, she's not she's not so annoying. She's not at all uppity. She seems very 
well, as it goes along, she seems a little bit more casual than she is normally. Mm-hmm. Almost like she's a different persona putting on. And I yeah. kind of liked that. It was a more relaxed Diane. It seemed like a more relatable one. And, um, yeah, just almost like a different character. But I really liked it. I really responded to that. You know, I, I mean, she yeah. comes in and she's smoking, which obviously she's got the books and she wants coffee. I mean, th- that whole thing is played for laughs, certainly. But even as it goes beyond that and she's later in the office with Sam, it, you know, it just seems like she's a different character almost just by mm-hmm. virtue of the clothes she's wearing. <laughs> I mean, it really does. That's really interesting. I, the, well, the different persona, I think, is a really good observation because... I think, you know, I mean, I think some of it, like the smoking and the, you know, Fraser says you don't smoke. And she says, I'm like, well, what's your point? When she's looking through these books and making comments about how it's, what was it? Like a post-war piece. Uh-huh. It's prob- not British, probably regional. So some of that's an affectation. But yeah. when she gets into the part when she's talking about herself and her perception and like, I know you've always seen me this way. It's funny. Like some of the things that she's saying are funny. But I thought that it was a lot more relatable, like you said, and poignant than really anything that she has said before exactly i mean she seems like i could see that going with the difference like how she's presented herself differently in the you know casual appearance and so forth being more down to earth Mm -hmm. down to earth that's it down to earth absolutely yeah no it is i mean she's got her hair pulled down you know she's she's wearing just not so outrageous outfits i mean Mm -hmm. she's just dressed down but it seems more down to earth more honest kind of yeah yes kind of person mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and then sam i think is i think he's interesting in these scenes too because he you know he says at first he sympathizes with her and he's kind of mocking her a bit at first and then later on i think he's genuinely empathetic but here he's saying it's like it's not easy to watch those people you scoffed at run past you while you remain stuck in the mud like a weighted down elephant and then he turns to the guys at the bar and he like kind of says like i made that up right yeah and then he asks if she stopped trying to get her poetry published i think that's the thing about him that's interesting is that he is you know as he says later i think like rubbing what was it like rubbing her smug little nose in it doesn't he make a comment to that effect yeah mm-hmm. but i think that he starts to get concerned like why aren't you doing this work that you want to do? You know, because he asks if she stopped trying to get her poetry published. And he's still a little bit mocking. But I, it seems to me that when he sees that she's having, like, a real crisis about this, like, creative and personal, like, that's when it kind of changes his feeling towards her, I think. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because at this point, she, it's funny. Cause she's saying she's diligently producing new work. New work and he's... And like, I'd love to talk to you about it, you know, as this published writer and so forth. And then she goes through this list of titles, like the death of a shallow man, yeah. bartender, dismember, like all of that. You know? <laughs> yeah, I like that. And I think just the way that she, she has several really good lines and little speeches in this too. And just the way that she escalates it, I think is, there's a lot of character in that, I think for her. Mm-hmm. And she says something about how she suffers failure after failure while you, a despoiler of the English language, are lionized in front of the world. Mm-hmm. Which is a great expression. I mean, it's yeah. completely overbaked, but it's a great expression. It is overbaked, but I also can kind of see it. You know, we've seen we've seen elements of her jealousy before, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that this just comes to a fore here, you know. Yeah. And and it is jealousy, but also it's I don't know. I, I kind of felt it was relatable. This this yes. idea that she has always had this as her pursuit for years and she's really been 
trying to get toward that point and here comes sam and i mean it just takes the wind right out of her sails and i can mm-hmm. see how she would take it as very demoralizing and yeah. you know discouraging it's interesting too i think because and it's i mean it's obviously not a direct parallel because we learned that of course sam did not write the poem but just the way that she's talking about it reminds me of the i don't know maybe i'm using it too shallowly but the story on amadeus of salieri and mozart Mm-hmm. You know, and how Mozart was just kind of this crass person, according to that story, that had this artistic gift in Salieri, kind of slaved away, or just like had to, you know, was more normal, I guess, or more at a regular level of creativity. I'm not telling mm-hmm. this very well, but I mean, that just like that, her whole demeanor and just this outburst about the being lionized in front of the world and how he's a despoiler of the English, like, all of that kind of reminds me of the, yeah. the whole Amadeus story a little bit. Right. And Sam starts to look contrite at this point I think and says that a literary chat might not have been a good idea and then asks if she wants to make out (laughs) (laughs) and she glares at him but spoiler alert she apparently does given Mm -hmm. the way the episode ends so that kind of comes back around I like too when Sam gets up from the table Fraser chides him for suggesting making out (laughs) oh yeah Fraser's just like what in the world right (laughs) right and Sam's just like, oh, I tried. You know, we have this. I think this great dialogue about the um, the literary magazine that goes around the world. And Fraser <laughs> yeah. tells Diane, "This is probably one of my favorite Diane. I don't even know if you call it like a soliloquy or a speech. I don't know what it would be." When he tells Diane she's taking us too far, he's like, "The circulation of the magazine is probably six hundred people." <laughs> And then she tells this story about how that's just the beginning and the original 600 readers drop their copies on buses and taxi cabs and in doctor's office. And another 600 people pick them up and take them to the airport where they go all over the country. And then they take them on international flights in Tierra del Fuego, Sierra Leone, all the remotest parts of the world. <laughs> and she said, soon, I feel like this is very, I, I wrote all of it down because I do feel like it's very well written and quotable. So soon I defy you to find me a house, a hut, an igloo, or a wiki up that doesn't have a coffee a copy on the coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great just a mm-hmm. great speech. And then the ending like, but then, then then everyone in the world, every living thing in the world will be laughing at me because he and she's like pointing like a child at Sam got published and I did not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. That part, like the every living thing, the way she says that, <laughs> that was amazing. I thought that that mm-hmm. was so well done. She, it was very well done. She did a great job with this scene, just, just how extreme it goes. But, and mm-hmm. yet you also can feel her desperation and her frustration, I right. think, with it all. Right. Cause she's yeah. unhinged. It's ridiculous, but she really is feeling that way. And I think it's mm-hmm. very obvious that it's genuine and hurting her. But she, I think she's really great in that scene. Yeah. At this point, we have a little bit of a break from that, though. Carla comes in. She's back from Graceland. And she's carrying some souvenirs. She's wearing souvenirs. So it was the greatest vacation of her life. And then she shows a photo she had taken of herself and Elvis. And Woody, he's, you know, asked, he's like, wow, how'd they do that? And Carla says they use cardboard cutouts. And Woody kind of taps it or gestures to the photo. And it's like, you know, you look almost lifelike here. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Just the reactions. It's a funny line, but I think like Sam and Cliff and Norman Fraser just kind of giving that their looks, respective looks, are the kind of the funny part of that as well. So 
Yeah. What did you think about Carla's story? Because that's pretty much it. In the midst of this important story about Diane, you know, mm-hmm. you had this little bit about Carla. What did you think of how that was done? Uh, I mean, to me, it was it definitely was second fiddle. And I found it kind of easy to dismiss, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that she was so excited about Graceland and everything. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of it, it just felt like filler to me. It didn't yeah. really seem like it had a huge importance to the story. Or, or the character. And I think you can have little stories that are separate from the main story that don't have to... I like it when they interweave a little bit, but even mm-hmm. if they don't, sometimes they are have like their own little story or amusement and had some funny lines, but I didn't even really think of it as a story necessarily. Like right. it could have been left out. The yeah. only thing I could think of that would be similar is this idea of thinking your dreams are going to come true and like Garla thought she was going to Graceland and then... Nick wasn't going to take care of the kids, so she couldn't go, and she's angry. And then in the end, she gets to go to Graceland. But it's just, you know, not much of a – it's more of an anecdote than a story, I guess. Exactly. It doesn't seem like it needed to be fleshed out to that degree, really. Yeah. So Woody pours more coffee for Diane. He says he has something to cheer her up. And he uh, thinks he's going to cheer her up. Is that he sent in a poem and got one of your soon and inevitably to be accepted letters. What does he say? Like, I'm framing mine or something like that. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. She dismisses it all and he's like, I'm going to frame mine. Yeah, yeah. And I love that we sent a poem to the magazine. Everybody's getting getting involved with, with Syzygy. Everybody in the bar. Right. Sending in their poems. So Diane says that Sam was right. And then she says, Sam the Bard. I kind of like the way she said that too. Mm-hmm. It's oh. fun. And so then Sam sits to talk to Diane at her table. And she says, this this part, I, I just so much good stuff happens at that table with her in this episode. She says that she struggled to keep her dreams alive. And she's, you know, Diane has said that before, but it just, it sounds, to me, it sounded kind of empty when she talks about her dreams sometimes or how she's mm-hmm. trying to keep her dreams alive. But here it does seem like she really is acknowledging like that this is what she's doing. This is how her life is. Right, right. And she says she hasn't fooled anyone. And she says she knows that they all considered her, what was it, a pretentious self-deluded windbag. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of heartbreaking a little bit just because that awareness, I don't know that they you know, think of her that negatively or be that nasty about it. But the fact that she kind of has known all along mm-hmm. that they think differently of her, I guess, was a little bit, it's a little melancholy. It is melancholy. That it, it, yeah, absolutely. That She's always had that idea that, that that's how they view her. Right. And she's just kind of ignored it or whatever in the past or not let it bother her or something. Right. Or she had these dreams and thought that she was going to achieve so much more. And so maybe she was either going to prove herself to them or it didn't matter what they thought or she was just passing through or whatever it was. I don't know. It just seems like she's kind of coming to some sense of reality about herself here. She says she's never going to be a famous writer or revered artist. And she's going to, she's gone as high as she's going to go. And then when she says, I'm a waitress in a beer hall and not a very good one. I don't know. That just was like one of the more moving things that Diane has said, I think, about just honestly mm-hmm. talking about herself. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. You get to, to new depths with her here in this episode, I think. Yeah. And again, I to me, a, a lot of it stems from that outfit <laughs> that she's wearing. <laughs> I really, true. I mean, I just couldn't shake that feeling that yeah. it's like, man, you, you put on a couple different clothes and, and change your affectations and here you are a new you character take off almost. Pre- it was quite yeah, take off the pretension. Quite strange. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And then she repeats a waitress three times. Mm-hmm. A waitress. A waitress. A waitress. 
The man at the table by the window asked Diane to take their order. <laughs> so at that point, which was, I love that because I love it when there's something that really is, I think, genuinely emotional. Mm-hmm. You have these two characters who are just kind of sitting in this moment together. And Sam is just, gen- at this point, sincerely listening to her. And she's expressing her feelings about her life. And then you have some sort of, not even you know intellectual comic moment but just some sort of like comic moment that takes over like right at the end of that mm-hmm. it's a little bit of i don't know it's a, it in itself is not dark humor but i think the timing of that is a little dark and i really like that yeah, yeah. so good yeah and so diane puts her head in her hand and cries and he says he's gonna like to come with them they're gonna have a talk in the office mm-hmm. he doesn't respond and so <laughs> he pushes her in the chair across the floor just kind of calmly pushes her across <laughs> the floor and has her, what does he say, like, sit in the big chair? <laughs> like, she's a kid, uh-huh. like you said yeah, before, yeah, exactly. like, she's like a child. She's trying to, like, soothe her or whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and he makes her promise she won't go crazy, which, of course, like, the rest of her scene is her going crazy in different ways. But she says she's, like, has no emotions left. So at this point, one thing I was thinking is, like, I wonder, my question for you, I wonder if Diane's failures are, like, in the arts and so forth, are partially attributable to her emotional capture by small setbacks. And then she attributes, mm. like she's, she's captured by small setbacks, I think. And then she attributes her problems to the behaviors of others, mostly Sam. Mm-hmm. So it's something that he's done to her, even if it's sending in a poem to a magazine. And then she does become just catastrophized, I think, by little mm-hmm. things. Yeah, I do and think she... kind of she... loses the main thread of what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I definitely think she has that tendency in in maybe this is conjecture but in in part because you know how she grew up she grew up very upper upper class right i mean she Mm. was everything was provided there weren't really any big catastrophes or anything right i mean Hmm. to a certain point yeah so i don't know i can't help but think maybe some of that affects i don't know affects her character or whatever yeah but no i agree with that point i mean it, it does seem that she she lets herself be derailed by these little things so often that they just shake her world and everything yeah that's yeah. a really interesting conjecture yeah well i mean she lost remind me we've met her mother Did, her father right died when she was young young right? right yeah so maybe right. i don't want to like dismiss that part of it but but she did. She grew up, you know, with everything afforded to her. And, and mm-hmm. that's a large part of her character compared to some of the other, you know, like people in the Sam. story. Right. Yeah, like Sam and, uh, you know, who else? But uh, so I don't know. That's just what comes to my mind first when you mention that. But. That is really interesting because that reminded mm-hmm. me of the, the ping pong match episode when she talks about how her father made her an elaborate rec room when she was a child and like my daddy liked me <laughs> remember that yeah 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 uh-huh. yeah and that was good i mean that's like very like a positive memory but that's a very interesting point though too yeah. that she just can become consumed by these these small things right so sam admits he did copy the poem and he says he tried to make one up himself but he couldn't and he didn't think it would be published diane says it's obviously been published to begin with and Sam says, like, no, no, it hasn't. I really, there's there's some way that they're talking here that I really like. You know, it's just kind yeah. of calm and, like, mature in a way. Mm-hmm. And so Sam opens the file cabinet and shows Diane the poem came from a letter that she'd written to him. And he seems to suggest that he thought Diane would recognize the poem, but then when she didn't, he decided to play it out. And this is when he says the thing about rubbing your smug little nose in it. <laughs> <laughs> And he apologizes, but Diane hardly notices 
And this is the thing, like, she says later, like, you always get away with stuff. Like, she turns on a dime and says this to him, but he did apologize. It's just that she didn't notice because she's reveling in her own writing at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the exquisite right. fluidity, I think, is what she says. Mm-hmm. He rem- Sam reminds her that she told him that it stunk, and she says, I'm a poet, not a critic. She's just very, at this point, giddy. And she says she's going to do what poets do and drink myself stinky. <laughs> Which I'm not sure that that's what all poets, that's kind of a... It's kind of a broad generalization. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But she is dressed for it, as you've mentioned. I mean, she's <laughs> dressed right. down to have a, a, mm-hmm. a good set of drinks at the bar. So then this is when she just changes suddenly and turns on Sam. Tells him he always gets out of things unscathed. And he, <laughs> Sam's hiding behind his chair at this point, too, which I thought was funny. He just kind of uh-huh. moves out of her way. She wants him to admit that to everybody in the bar that he stole the poem from her, which he seems like not too disappointed to have to tell the bar that he's not a poet. Right. So then when Sam steps out of the office, Diane pushes him back in and kisses him. She's very mercurial. Oh, yeah. She's all over the map here <laughs> with yeah. these scenes. Yes. Yeah. She insists that Sam loves her because he saved her love letters. And then he's saying he didn't save them and so forth. And then she demands that he look her in the eye and tell her that he doesn't love her, which he does. It's kind of a serious moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. So she leaves. And then Sam you know, delicately places the letter back into its place in the stack of letters. And he's sort of, he's very precise about taking out the lockbox and then uh-huh. getting the letters out. And they're bound with this red bow and he puts it right in the right place evenly. And then Diane jumps back and catches him. And so he's trying to convince her that the letters aren't important. All these other odds and ends he has in there and so forth. He's naming all these items. And she's carrying on about getting married and where they live. And the end, he kind of gives in. He sort of like leans against her and says, four paper clips. <laughs> you know, he's still trying to name these items in there. I don't know. I, I, I sort of like the end. Sam's still kind of weakly protesting as he sort of leans against her. Mm-hmm. Very weakly. Very weakly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, uh, she got me, you know. But he's just worn down by her. I mean, my yeah. God, she's just bulldozing over him, you know? Right. So I want to know more of your thoughts on all of this. But mm-hmm. one thing that occurred to me, I just don't want to forget it, is that I think it could have been, obviously they went for like a funnier ending and a sweeter yeah. ending. But I think it could have been interesting if it ended with Sam by himself in the office with the letters. Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. It would have been very, um, yeah, I, I like that. I think that would have been a good one to do. I liked these scenes. I do for what they reveal about the characters and everything. But, mm-hmm. and I know I've said this because we've had many episodes end in a similar vein where the scene yeah. kind of goes on and on and on. And it, like you said, she's very mercurial and she goes from, the, you know, this direction to that and ups and downs everywhere. And, and the scene just goes on. Um mm-hmm. So it, in a way, it's deja vu because it seems like, oh, here we go again with that. And I think in a way we discount because we have, feel like we've seen the scene before. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I, I enjoyed the scene very much. It's cute, but it does drag on and on. I liked how it yeah. ended. But like you said, I think with just her leaving kind of disappointed or whatever, and then him revealing his stash of letters would have been probably a stronger note to end on. Right, and they could have easily picked that theme up with the next episode, and it would have ended on a on a more I don't know a little bit more of a serious sentimental mm-hmm. kind of tone. So I I very much like that idea. Yeah, and I think if they had maybe modified the part 
of her having him say like look her in the eye and say that he doesn't love her mm. i don't know how they would have done that like to make because you know to make that less somber or serious just a little bit but then have him be in the office alone with the letters i think that mm-hmm. yeah i do think that would have been a stronger ending yeah it would have been very wistful you know mm-hmm. and 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 kind of bittersweet i i like yes. that idea yes so well what other thoughts do you have about the the rest of the episode and the story and the characters so I really like the story. I like, I, this is no secret, I like the episodes mm-hmm. that touch on the literary themes, yes. you know, about about writing and, and literature and whatnot. I, I just do. So for that reason alone, I, I really enjoyed the episode. The story's not as sharp as it could be. I feel like it meanders in parts a little bit, namely the subplot with Carla and everything I feel like it doesn't mm-hmm. really go anywhere and it it doesn't really add it doesn't add anything to be honest for me to the story yeah. so and then I feel like having so much of the episode consumed by the last scene which is in their office and the back and forth and everything it, it just mm-hmm. feels like man here they go again just adding it on uh, two pages too long with dialogue you know I felt like we could have trimmed it back to your point and ended it on a stronger note yeah. So I feel like they could have tightened it up and it would have been even better. But overall, it was a solid episode. I I really enjoyed Diane as a character in this episode, I thought. And I thought mm-hmm. Shelley Long pulled off a lot with, you know, almost the flip side of her persona here as this struggling, burned out writer, you know, yeah. kind of bitter, kind of disappointed with everything. Yet also the character becomes very down to earth in in some parts of the scene. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting because we got a different side of her that we rarely have seen before. So I really enjoyed her more in those parts. Overall, a solid episode. I gave this one three stars. Mm -hmm. Again, solid effort, not particularly memorable for those reasons, but, but it was solid. Okay. What about you? I also like the literary aspect of it. I really like the having, you know, just the entire idea of a literary magazine and Sam publishing a poem mm-hmm. in a magazine yeah. that Diane did not get into. Regardless of the tension between them around that, I just think that's a great idea. And I like the, you know, like the like the books are our friends, like all Sam's entire mm-hmm. behavior around that. And then how he navigates Diane's reactions. I really like what you said about Diane's persona. Cause I, like I said, I didn't think about it quite in that full a way. I don't think, but, but that does, like that gives it more depth, I think too. And all of her scenes at the table, all of those like little, it, it just gets, it gets better and better. I think in that part of the episode, what she's talking about. Cause it goes from her looking through the books and talking about plagiarism and then talking about how she can't complete any work. And then, the, you know how Sam is lionized in front of the world to the part about the literary magazine that goes all over the world mm-hmm. to all like the, you know the wiki ups and all of this and then the whole thing about how every living thing will will know that or be laughing at her because he got published and she did like all of this right. stuff and just her Diane in that persona I think it's better and better and I enjoy mm-hmm. seeing that and then when she kind of comes all the way back to earth and is saying that she's gone as far as she's going to go. I think that, that that to me elevates the episode, the entire episode. And then the beginning part with the magazine, I think it's good too. So I'm kind of repeating myself, but like all of the things around that, I really like. The end scene in the office, I think could have been trimmed, just like you said. I would have enjoyed it had it been a little different. The Carla part, I didn't mind. I don't think it really added anything, just like you said, but it didn't really distract me either. 
I thought it was a creative entry into the sort of like Diane's artistic endeavors genre, if you will, like, uh-huh. of her trying these things out and not doing very well. Um, <laughs> right. I think it was interesting that it's the second episode in a row in which Diane's artistic aspirations are dashed because in the last episode, <laughs> the mm-hmm. literary dinner and Thanksgiving orphans kind of falls apart. But yeah, so like that's that's a lot. But overall, I would I would give it a four. Now perhaps a low four, but I'd give it a four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it definitely has its moments. It definitely has its moments, and the whole conceit with you know with with Sam beating her to it in terms of yes. being published is is definitely worth it. That was thoroughly enjoyable. Her reaction to it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, there's a lot of fun parts. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say like in that the four category, but not where it's almost a five. I'd say just mm-hmm. above a three. I'd give it a high three by that standard okay. too. I'd say a high <laughs> right. three. So you know, I always, I'm rethinking, I'm rethinking our decision not to do half stars because it definitely would have been a three and a half for me. Okay. Yeah. But it's like, it's more like, like in the bucket of three and four and so forth, it's mm-hmm. lower down in the fours. Sure. All right. Anything else you can think of for that one? Mm-hmm. I think that sums it up pretty well. That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening.